99% of brands don't want to have resellers on their products on Amazon. They want to be the sole uh, seller of their products. And Amazon's view is we don't have a problem with resellers. We only have a problem with counterfeiters. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Well, welcome back, my friends, to the Channel Mastery Podcast. So great to be here with you today. Thank you for taking some of your time out of your busy day to join me for this episode. It is a good one. It is another epic show co-produced by Verde Brand Communications, the source for specialty multi-channel brand communications, and Snooze, the source for outdoor industry news. You can learn more about Verde at verdepr.com, and you can read up on the latest industry news at snoozenet.com. And while you're there, you should join up with their newsletter. The team sends out a very well-curated digest that will hit your inbox every single week. Again, that's snoozenet.com. All right, back to today's show. I have an absolutely fantastic guest for you today, Channel Masters. She is a well-known thought leader in the evolution of retail, more specifically, the Amazon Marketplace. This ties in well to the feature Snooze has planned for the Outdoor Retailer Snow Show 2020, which is right around the corner at the time of this issue, or sorry, this episode being dropped. They're running an article in The Voice titled, The Amazon Survival Guide. In 2019, Amazon became the largest retailer the world has ever seen. And in this feature, Snooze walks you through what that means for all of you specialty brands and retailers out there. It should be a very good read. I can't wait to get my hands on that issue. All right, back to my guest, Kiri Masters. She is the founder of Bob Sled Marketing and the newly launched subscription resource in the Marketplace Institute. She's also a very sought after speaker and Forbes contributor. She's made it her mission to help specialty brands and businesses navigate the Amazon marketplace, which is a great thing because as we all know, Amazon continues to change on a monthly, weekly, and sometimes even daily basis. And in this episode, we're able to discuss her newest offering, the Marketplace Institute, which she and her team designed to enable smaller businesses to have a self-serve model for Amazon support, insights, et cetera, through a private membership program. If your business is anything like the amazing brands that my company, Verde, serves, you're likely a specialty brand, and you very likely have a very small but mighty team, and this is code for, it's likely just not possible to have an in-house Amazon expert or marketplace manager. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here, everybody? I bet you are. 
And you're not only going to get great insights and takes from Carrie today on how to be successful on the Amazon marketplace in 2020, but you're also going to learn how other small but mighty teams are evolving in 2020 to deploy stronger daily management of the Amazon marketplace. This is becoming a very real need in our businesses today, as you well know. I hope that this episode with Carrie Masters brings some great enlightenment to you around this fast-moving challenge that we're all dealing with. All right, without further delay, here is the Kiri Masters interview on the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. I have a very special guest to introduce today. You're about to meet Kiri Masters, who is the founder of Bob Sled Marketing and the Marketplace Institute. Welcome to the show, Kiri. Thanks, Kristen. Great to be here. It's awesome to have you. Can you give my audience a little bit of your background and what we're going to go into today in terms of the Amazon channel and and or marketplace? Sure. So I started my career in banking and uh, while I was at, at JP Morgan Chase in New York, I started a, a little e-commerce business on the side in the crafts category. And I really enjoyed running that little shop. It was very much like a weekend, nights and weekend kind of project. And along the way, I launched some of those products on Amazon. And this is back 2012, 2013, where there wasn't nearly as much chatter or uh, content about how to do all this. So you kind of need to figure out a lot of things on your own. And some of my clients at the bank were manufacturers that that didn't really know what they were doing with Amazon. So I decided to go consult with them and grow my craft uh, supplies empire on, on alongside that. And it turns out there was a lot more demand for the Amazon consulting than there was for the, the craft supplies that I was selling. So that was the birth of Bobsled Marketing, my agency back in 2015. We um, helped brands to manage their Amazon sales channel with operational support, brand protection, marketing and uh, advertising, the usual channel management suite of implementation tasks. So been doing that for the last five years. And then in 2019, I launched the Marketplace Institute, which is a more of a self-serve model where brands can actually access our knowledge base of processes and best practices that we use as an agency, speak with our experts about specific situations that they have going on, access some good training and up-to-date news and uh, analysis of what's going on so they can figure out how to modify their strategy on Amazon. So that's the, it's like a a self-service membership that brand and manufacturers can join and access a community, access our experts, but ideally leverage their own internal team to do the same stuff that they'd otherwise um, be paying an agency to manage for them. That's fantastic. And I feel like your uh, body of work is so relevant to the audience of Channel Mastery. Um, Obviously, we serve artists and specialty brands. Many of them have wholesale legacy backgrounds. Some of them are direct first, and they're all striving to create a channel strategy in 2020 that best appeals to their omni-channel consumer. They're very specific omni-channel consumer. And as we know, we're seeing just an inordinately high percentage. I believe it's over 70% of all product searches are starting on Amazon. So 
it's a very, very important channel in and of itself and obviously the leading marketplace out there. So before we drop in on a couple of topics here, I also want to say that Kiri has a book as well that she's authored called The Amazon Expansion Plan and is also a contributor to Forbes. So in the show notes for this episode, I will be putting links to the book and also to several articles on Forbes and you can start following her work there. But she's just a fantastic resource. So You're here today to help my audience, obviously comprised of artisan and specialty brands, really understand kind of best practices for 2020 in terms of how they are intentionally being present on (laughs) the Amazon platform, as well as addressing how to internally staff or uh, consider a team or an approach as a specialty brand to um, manage that on a day-to-day basis. But let's start by talking about any broad sweeping trends or changes that you're seeing in Q1 2020 on this platform. Well, I think that a couple of things come to mind. One is the traditional wholesale model of selling on Amazon as a, as a first party has become less and less attractive over time. And around this time last year, we saw what seemed like Amazon moving the vendors off its 1P platform. Uh, they stopped issuing purchase orders. There was very confusing messaging coming out as to why. And a lot of vendors interpreted this as, well, we're going to get kicked off onto the 3P platform. So whether that really truly comes to fruition or not, what a lot of brands are discovering is that you get a lot more control on the third-party side um, as a general uh, generalization, often better profitability as well. So Amazon's rolling out a million new features a, a week for the sellers and the vendors really don't get a whole lot of love and keep having their margins crushed every year with, with negotiations. So vendors listening to this show who've just come out of their vendor negotiations are probably feeling the pain a little bit. That's one one trend where there's sort of more brands are either establishing themselves on the 3P channel right from the beginning or migrating over if they have the uh, the levity to do so from Amazon. And then the other, the other one is we started to see in 2019 a lot of push from Amazon to start doing live video. And I think that that's going to continue in 2019. It's an interesting channel for discovery and the fact that Amazon pays for all this bandwidth and hosting for these very expensive video infrastructure and allows brands to 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 go live at whenever they want to and and have these live stream videos really tells us a lot about video on the platform and how meaningful it is to Amazon so those are two things that I'm thinking about this quarter Wow, live video on Amazon. So that's a little bit of a diversion from where I was thinking we were going to go, but I've never done an Amazon episode where it's actually followed a plan, just so you know. So it's like <laughs> you can't you gotta be prepared to rip up your plan with Amazon every month or so and, and start it's over. So true. So I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. And so this live video, let's talk about that because in my world, um, I think a lot of the brands I know that Verde serves they don't necessarily have a marketing team touching Amazon, especially if it's a legacy wholesale brand, right? That marketing leader is already up to her, his or her neck in um, managing the wholesale channel, meaning brick and mortar retail and online retail derivatives, if you will, of that. But now it almost sounds like as we're talking about 
a team internally at a brand that we don't want to have any silos with. Ultimately, we're, we're, everybody needs to be 100% focused on being remarkable to that end consumer. Amazon is a very important channel for that. And so I feel like what you're talking about with live video, it almost brings like marketing and sales in a live video package, but I can tell you a large part of the, a large number of the sales leaders that we work with are not comfortable with live video. That would not be something they would do. It would be something they would partition over to marketing, I'm guessing. Can you talk a little bit about how you're seeing brand staff for that or take advantage of that or even um, anticipate that? It's a great question. So live video, there's two types of live video on Amazon. There's live where um, you're in the Amazon studio and they've got the professional host with the good hair and the, you know, has the whole QVC thing going down, very yeah. professional in their studios. Like I said, and you, that's some, that's a placement that you pay for. And um, what I've seen brands do there, if, if the original founders are still involved with the company, the founders will go and do the, the spot. And that's very, it's, it's a great way to, to tell the story of your um, the cause or affinity um, side of things. And that can be a really great placement, but it's, it's sort of invite only and it's paid, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be a relatively easy one for a brand to identify who's our, the original founder or the, the spokesperson or, you know, someone senior who has a lot of gravitas that they can go in and do that. And then you've got live stream, which is an on-demand sort of um, applicate. You get an app on your phone and you can go live anytime you want, basically. And it's very much more homegrown, a homegrown feel. So people are doing demos of their product, tutorials, um, unboxing style videos. And so it's what you'd want to think about is Amazon put this platform out there, started prompting brands to go live whenever they wanted without any real oversight really. And so the the feeling when you go onto that live page and you're watching these videos from brands is it is the camera is a little bit shaky. They it's not scripted. They don't have graphics that show up. It is very much a like Instagram stories kind of feel. It's real life. There's things go wrong. There's some pauses and it, it's supposed to, it's a, it's a real live video. So that, I think actually that can work for you if you've got an authentic, something to show people, which is educational, showing people how things work, some of the features can be a really great discovery. Oh, absolutely. And I think that obviously we've seen Instagram and obviously shoppable Instagram really become a priority uh, to all of our brands this year. The audience is there. Um, Are people able to, you know how you can, this is a little bit of a granular question, dear audience, so just bear with me for one moment, but is there a way to actually like broadcast to multiple platforms, including Amazon, or do you need to actually have Amazon as a standalone live stream? Yeah. So if you use the app, it'll just go to Amazon, but there are third-party software providers out there. One's called Social Live, that's one that I've actually tested, where they they integrate with Amazon, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, right. like all, all of the platforms. And you can schedule a live stream, get it all set up. And they've got very extensive features in their app. So you can have like one person go live and then switch to another person and all these graphics and stuff like that. So you could create a really great 
stream streamed video that goes out to seven different platforms all at once would be very um, efficient with your time there. You know, Kiri, for specialty brands, this is actually super interesting and newsworthy because um, I think so many of our clients have kind of boxed with, <laughs> I mean, like in a boxing ring, like boxed with like the problem of and people going to Amazon looking for price and assortment and, you know, like they're trained to look there almost with like a, a bit of a commodity eye. And it sounds like this offering um, I'm imagining as part of Amazon marketing services is intended to really create a brand presence there that's completely under your control. And that's super interesting to me. Yeah, I think that where Amazon's historically been really strong is at the the bottom part of the funnel, the transaction part of the funnel, and they haven't been so good at discovery and browsing. Like you, When you go to Amazon, just think about the way that you shop yourself, you go to Amazon because you're searching for something. I'm looking for packing cubes. I'm going to search for packing cubes and then I'm going to you know, start my process from there. But I previously... I might not know what packing cubes are or that they would be really helpful to me until I saw a video on Instagram from an influencer showing me how they pack their suitcase for a, for a short trip. So that's where I think some brands, especially those that have, that have innovative products and specialty products get caught up potentially is that by the time someone's coming to Amazon to search for your brand or your products specifically, they've done their research on Pinterest, in stores, talking with other people, and they'll come to Amazon and they're ready to buy. So that it skews things a little bit because you, you're not sure exactly which channel people use for various stages of their buying journey, and every channel is in its own box. So Amazon right. doesn't share any information, you know, with Facebook. And so we can't see the end-to-end customer journey. We can only, it's very, very limited ways to access that information and put the, pu- the puzzle together. But mm-hmm. I think that that's where there's a little misconception about how effective Amazon can be as a channel because, yes, people are going there when they're ready to buy. They could have spent three months trying to figure out what, barbecue they should buy and they go they they decide what they want to buy they go to amazon and they buy it if you just looked at that behavior on amazon it would look very strange but you don't necessarily know all the different touch points someone has had with your brand including in stores up until that point i know that is the 64 trillion dollar question isn't it And even when we kick off a relationship with a new client or we start a strategy window with an existing client, we do try so hard to put together that puzzle. It's so, so important for us to understand where that target consumer discovers is engaging, how how we nurture them, and then ultimately how we convert and get them to stay in our nurturing sequences. So it's, it's just such a mystery. And I feel like there's so much innovation out there. It feels like there should be a way to track that. Right. <laughs> but there's Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, we were talking before the call as well about how often someone's stated behavior is not the same as their real behavior as well. So mm-hmm. even if you're surveying those people and asking how they discovered your brand and where they purchased and how they made that decision, they're not always going to recall really accurately what, what they did. <laughs> For sure. And so much of what we rely on in, you know, with the 
companies that we serve and the specialty brands we serve is the storytelling and the emotional connection and getting them to really want to belong to the brand. So two brands I wanted to ask you about have that with their following and their consumers, and that's Patagonia and Birkenstock. And I brought those two companies up specifically because they have made a pointed you know, statement, a directive that they don't want to sell on Amazon. And I wanted you to kind of share any feedback or information or insights you have on that decision for a specialty brand. Like where, what are they setting themselves up for? I, I understand like their, their stake in the ground supports their brand position. And that's ultimately what bolsters emotional engagement with their following. However, it does seem like it's a double-edged sword in a huge way. So can you share your insights on that? Yeah, so when someone's ready to to make a purchase on Amazon, they're doing so because Amazon's convenient. They've shopped there before. Their credit card details are saved there. Their shipping address is saved there. They might be a prime member, which half of all U.S. households are, so there's a good chance that they are a prime member. And so they want to make the most of that membership that they pay every year as well. So there's a psychological lock-in effect when someone's a prime member And um, so they're going to Amazon expecting to find whatever they're looking for because that's what Amazon customers have been trained to know is Amazon's a place where you can buy anything. I can buy Dior perfume. I can buy toilet paper. I can buy cat litter. Like, you know, you can buy absolutely everything there. And so when a customer goes to Amazon, they're searching for a Patagonia vest. They're just expecting that they're going to be able to find it and that whatever they buy is going to be authentic and not a counterfeit. And so that's just behavior that's been ingrained from hundreds of trips to Amazon. So when a customer goes to Amazon, they search for a Patagonia vest and they can't find one, there's 200 other manufacturers lining up bidding on that keyword with their ads, Patagonia fleece vest or or whatnot, waiting to capture that shopper if if they cannot find what they're looking for, they can't find the size or the color or or whatnot. Two other issues come into play. One is when you have unauthorized sellers on your product listing, that could be they could be selling authentic inventory that they got through a distributor or just picking up in a store on clearance and, and flipping it on Amazon. So you may or may not have an issue with that. A lot of brands do have an issue with that because it creates potential channel conflict if those resellers are selling below map. But the more concerning issue is potential counterfeits. And that's exactly what happened in the case of Birkenstock where the counterfeit issue just got completely out of control and Amazon didn't rise to the occasion in their opinion and, and really do enough to stop the counterfeiting. So that's the second issue. And then the third issue is if you don't have a presence on Amazon and these third parties are just creating the product content for you, then they may not be representing your brand how you want it to be represented. And that includes content, just having accurate content with on-brand photos. We had a client who is a, a specialty food manufacturer and they make condiments and things like that. And they had just, when we took over their account, some resellers had just had completely inaccurate product information. It was for a different flavor than the UPC barcode was for. And so people were getting the wrong 
seasoning in their, <laughs> for their order and was creating all kinds of mayhem with product reviews and things like that. So if you, in the case of those two brands, what they're leaving themselves open to is inaccurate information, off-brand content and an off-brand experience, potential counterfeiters and um, driving shoppers into the arms of competitors who are pretty eager to jump on your brand keywords and bid for those with ads or or organic SEO. Right. And I feel like Amazon is taking steps right now to almost become more human, right? I'm seeing executives tweeting. I'm seeing Jeff Bezos, obviously, in the news in good and bad ways. I'm seeing um, carbon neutral initiative. It's almost like if Patagonia and Birkenstock are, are trying to make a statement about not selling there because they can't control the resellers, et cetera, I feel like that may appeal to their brand following. But with the, all of the changes on Amazon, it almost feels like it won't be such a, a villain in the future, perhaps. You know what I mean? I think they're doing the best they can to get around some serious reputational issues that they have right now, very serious reputational issues. And um, yeah, to add to what you said, they've rolled out these small business awards where they just awarded, I think, Nut Pods and some other brands that got these this small business award that was rolled out. Anyway, they've got antitrust issues. They've got massive issues with fake reviews. They've got massive issues with counterfeiting and they're starting to bleed customer trust with those issues. I've got my own cross to bear with the uh, unauthorized sellers because we we work exclusively with brands. 99% of brands, and there's some notable exceptions, 99% of brands don't want to have resellers on their products on Amazon. They want to be the sole uh, seller of their products. And Amazon's view is we don't have a problem with resellers. We only have a problem with counterfeiters. But from a brand's perspective, they don't want the resellers because the resellers degrade the pricing model and you can't control what inventory they have and things like there's just like control issues that brands get very nervous about and but Amazon doesn't care about that they only care about counterfeiting I can say that 99% of Amazon's counterfeiting issues would go away if they got rid of resellers that's just the reality and all the, the problems with the um, you know fake reviews and things like that are driven by them opening the platform up to international sellers and making it very, very easy for manufacturers in China to, to, uh, to do what they want. And they're setting up hundreds of accounts and just there's, there's crazy, crazy stuff going on. That's really repelling brands, um, that Amazon needs to seriously do something about. And I think that the PR efforts around, we're so great for small businesses and we've got these awards and uh, so many of our products on Amazon are sold by small businesses, but it's, it's really a bandaid over, a, over a, a wound that needs to be stitched up properly. Right. And hopefully we'll I'm continue to see that and tap into you as a resource on that as things continue to unfold. Um, so let's go into some of the resources that you've created and why you've created them, because I feel like you've probably created some of these resources because you work with brands that are literally trying to manage a moving target. And it's hard to allocate headcount, especially very, you know, experienced, seasoned 
sales leaders, for example, who just happen to have to manage this channel and have valiantly for years, right? When is it time to consider either outsourcing or building a team or sharing the burden of that internally? Because Amazon is only going to continue to become an important channel, I think, as, as more and more people continue to access it as a search engine. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I don't think there's any like particular threshold where it makes sense to do this or that way of staffing. The truth is that lots of different staffing models work. You can have a fully in-house team that functions really well. You can outsource everything to an agency and that works really well. The, the thing to keep in mind is the different functions required to manage an Amazon channel. So you've got the operational side of things, which is inventory forecasting, auditing your fees, managing the relationship with Amazon or case history, managing exceptions that come up like Amazon will flag your product as a hazardous material and then you've got to, you know, go down this whole rabbit hole for two weeks of proving that it's not hazardous and things like that. A lot of this administrative slash operational side of things needs to be handled by someone who has a brain that works that way and then also a lot of experience in that area because these things that come up are very contextual. You need a lot of information about how this generally works, how to manage cases with Amazon, Should you, when should you close a case and open a new one versus just waiting because there's so many unwritten rules with Amazon and so many best practices that aren't obvious. So that's sort of the operational side of things. Now, can a person in-house do that job? Yeah, they they definitely can, especially if they're tapped into some good resources. Um, that's also an area where a lot of brands choose to outsource that to a freelancer or consultant or agency that has a lot of experience there because it is necessary to have that toolkit. So that's the first mm-hmm. area. Second area is marketing. So this is content, A-plus content, storefronts, Amazon SEO, running promotions. Those are all things that are a lot of brands will run internally if they have their own graphics team or their own writers and things like that. It's relatively simple to figure out how to make a good Amazon product listing content-wise and give that to your internal team. That's, that's fine as long as you've got the resourcing there. And then the final piece is advertising, which is primarily talking about pay-per-click advertising here, although Amazon does have a display network as well. But um, that is also a very sort of an arcane area where you'd want to have someone running that who has not just Google and Facebook PPC experience, but actual Amazon experience because it is very specific again. So those three areas, yes, each one of those could be run internally or externally. I think you need to look at who's in your company currently, what kind of experience do they have, what skills do they already have, and and plug the gaps. But more broadly than that, you need someone who's actually like accountable for that channel, thinking about the strategy, holding either the internal or the external people accountable for that, and just has a good general sense of what should be happening. And, and you need that person, that role to be filled regardless of whether you're doing an internal or external staffing model. Right. And talk about the new membership that you've launched in 2019. Obviously, that's relatively new, but 
sounds like a really great fit for a company that might have a super lean team, right? And needs to tap into resources and also peers who are navigating similar changes. So can you talk a little bit about the resource? Because I am i don't think I've seen anything like it out there. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is pretty new. It's that there isn't anything really like it, which makes it exciting and, and a bit of a challenge at the same time. So it's called the Marketplace Institute. And at my agency, Bobsled Marketing, we spoke with a lot of brands who hadn't had a goal or an immediate need to have an Amazon team internally. Um, the challenge is it's a relatively new platform. And so there aren't a whole lot of people out there who you can hire and bring on who know exactly what to do right off the bat. So a lot of companies need to train someone up or bring someone in who has some related experience, but they may not have Amazon specific experience or they want to bring someone else, you know, internally over to their Amazon team. And so Amazon's a dynamic channel that you can't sit down and train someone for two weeks and then they're off and running and know how to handle every situation. There's just, there's crazy stuff that happens. There's new programs, there's changes to algorithms, changes to rules, just things that happen so quickly that being plugged into a bigger network and being able to access experts who have more context over what's going on on different accounts and different categories is really essential to properly managing an Amazon channel. So the Marketplace Institute membership is access to community of peers who are all branded manufacturers, access to our experts at Bobsled Marketing when you've got questions that are very specific to you and then also a knowledge base of all of our processes and best practices as an agency training uh, we do um, uh, weekly office hours sessions where we'll talk through a specific challenge that a member has and and workshop that a little bit so it's really a package for an individual or a, or a team within a company to get the best of both worlds, which is access to a lot of analysis and contextual information of what's going on with other accounts at the same time as keeping that Amazon channel management internal so that you can benefit from institutional knowledge, potential cost savings, et cetera. That sounds remarkable. So where can my amazing audience learn more about this? Yeah, so we'll have a, um, a a link for you, Kristen, that we'll set up uh, that people can go to on the site. But you can also just look up the marketplaceinstitute.com if you're if you want to check it out. Awesome. So I would love to um obviously that'll all be in the show notes and I'd love to um just anybody who has questions about this, Carrie's made herself available to, you know, connect and there's lots of information on the site, et cetera. So I just think this is a really, really important resource to have to keep yourself ahead of the curve as much as you can around this always changing, you know, and very important marketplace and channel. I feel like 2020 is going to be a really interesting year for a lot of brands out there on Amazon. And um, this sounds like an incredible resource. Uh, so I'm actually really, really grateful that you've launched it. I'm sure it was a ton of work. 
I also just want to quickly say that Kiri is also on Retail Wire's panel of retail experts and co-hosts her own podcast called E-Commerce Brain Trust. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes as well. And it's just been fantastic to connect with you here today. And I most certainly would love to have you back on as a regular guest discussing, you know, big changes and evolution on this channel that never seems to sit idle. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of fun. I would be happy to. Thank you for having me, Kristen. Thank you. And again, everybody, the links to all of this will be in the show notes at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Thanks so much, Kiri. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advance notice of new Channel Mastery trainings and offerings. Thanks for listening and see you next week.